Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Controller Four Podcast, episode eighty-seven. I'm Benjamin Yoder here to talk to you today about video games. But a uh, quick first note, um, since I'm not sure how this is going to sound, um, I got a new microphone, so I'm using a Yeti now instead of a Blue Snowball. I was having some issues with the previous microphone where it had like static and stuff. It was probably resolvable but i couldn't find any easy ways online to do so so i have a a yeti microphone here and then a new stand as well so i'm probably going to have to adjust it a bit to kind of figure out what's the best placement and things like that um also there's a lot more options on the yeti for for like tuning the audio and and how it's recording so i will (laughs) this is kind of the first thing we're recording with it so we'll see hopefully it doesn't go too bad um, I'm hoping cause I'm looking at it and it, it looks like I don't spike the mic as often. So, so maybe as a, a bonus, uh, uh, the audio level won't, uh, go as high, but that's probably more of just me and my settings thing. I'm sure you could probably do a blue snowball without problem doing that, but I'm just a voice man who, who gets really loud and really quiet. Um, and shouldn't do that as much as I do, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully another, hopefully no part of this podcast is unlistenable. So, so yeah, although like a a quick side note, like the second I got this stand, the microphone stand, which it's more expensive. The last one I got was like $20 and it started falling apart after about like a year and a half or so. Um, this one's like a hundred dollars and I immediately started breaking it. Um, I, there's like these little, like, uh, dials you can turn on the, on the stand to kind of adjust the the um, arms of it, and I unloosened one too much, and it basically started splitting itself apart, and it started cutting into the plastic of the rest of the stand, <laughs> and was tearing it, and it was like, oh boy, this is good. Um, I was able to get it to get back together, and the damage is pretty minimal, as far as I can tell. I'm hoping over time it won't expand, but uh, but we'll see. We shall see. So, uh, yeah, if you have any comments on the audio, uh, let me know. Um, I'm not much of an audio file person or a video file person. So outside of like the actual capture of games, I guess. Um, so sometimes I just don't, I don't notice things, um, because I don't know much about them. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just kind of stumbled into a lot of this other stuff. Um, but yeah, hey. Let's talk about some some game news this week. I have some game news I actually want to talk about. Um, two things. Uh, Joy Mech Fight uh, went to the Switch. Uh, I guess you'd call it. I forget what it's called. The NES Online for Switch. Nintendo Switch or something. I went, like that stupid name. It's it's so much easier to say like a Switch Virtual Console. <laughs> even though it's not technically like the same model. Um, but yeah. Joy Mech Fight went to the only the Japanese uh, Switch um virtual console it makes me a little sad if you don't know what joy mech fight is um you might know a little bit more or might know about one of the characters from it uh in super smash brothers ultimate and i think in previous smash brother games he may have been in there as well but i can't recall um there's an assist trophy of like this little uh, pink guy with these little limbs that you can throw around it was like uh from this nes fighting game called joy mech fight um and i forget who worked on it but it was a nintendo published uh, a really late nintendo published uh or Famicom fighting game rather um but it didn't come out in the U.S. and Europe and so I was, I was kind of sad that it never did 
And so I was really excited when I saw that. I was like, oh, uh, I think it was on Silicon Air. I saw it. It was like, Joy Mech Fight coming to Switch online service. And then I looked and it was like, oh, it's Japanese accounts only. I'm like, ah, oh, it's sad. And then I think in, in America, we got like Blaster Master and something else. And I'm like, ah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little little sad that it's not going to show up on the Switch service. Well, hopefully someday it does. I, I really think that those um, import... Uh, virtual console games are super valuable, especially for games like uh, Mysterious Castle Castle Murasame. Um, I, w- I always wanted to check out Mysterious Castle Murasame for a good long time, and it didn't come out on uh, US Virtual Console until the 3DS, even though it was on the Wii as well in Japan. And it's like, I'm going to guess Joy Mac Fight probably doesn't have enough Japanese text to really be like a <laughs> a disservice to put in the on the system. Uh uh the 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 american virtual console for switch and and the nice thing about like the american virtual virtual console for switch is that you're not buying anything too so it's not like you can buy like a rpg that's completely in a japanese and then feel like you know i don't know if, if i don't know if anyone would ever feel like ripped off because they're like oh this doesn't this is basically really in a state a state that's like unplayable for me. I think some PlayStation classic games on PS3 actually did release with like visual novels that are completely in Japanese, which is always very strange to me um, that, that, that they did that. But I'm guessing there was some audience that was, you know, uh, consuming that stuff. I really should go back and look at the PlayStation uh, imports um, that they are putting on PS3 to see if there's anything that's um, valuable in terms of like not getting a physical copy or maybe just interesting. Um, I just, I haven't actually sat down and spent a lot of time looking at the PS1 classic section of the, of the PlayStation 3 store. Admittedly, there are plenty of PlayStation 1 games at really, really easily accessible prices, um, that I feel like I'd rather just get like a physical copy or something. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really glad they put that on the Switch online service. I really hope Joy Mech Fight comes to the US, um, on, on that service and especially with Smash Brothers Ultimate you know, being around, I, I really think it would be a neat, a neat thing. It would definitely get me very excited. Uh, right now I, I am subscribed to the Nintendo online service, but that <laughs> going through old NES black box games again, and like the usual, you know, stuff that Nintendo puts out with every console, it's a, it's a little hard to get excited about Super Mario Brothers 3 again, <laughs> you know, um, although the online stuff is really cool that they did add that. Um, but but in terms of like you know checking out some some games on the surface, I would service. I would love to see Joy Mech fight and uh, poke around with that a bit. Um, so yeah, uh, the other other news story I wanted to talk about was uh, Alice Soft. They're a uh, basically I guess you'd call them like a erotic game developer or something. Um, they make the Rants series, which was pretty popular for a while. Uh, I haven't played any of their stuff before. I don't think. Actually, let me scroll through this list real quick. The only thing I know that they've they've done is rants they've definitely done a lot more than that uh let me go through here real quick yeah i'm not recognizing any of these um but yeah they're doing um they're doing uh or they're hiring on to do like uh erotic mobile games basically which i think is interesting because I've, i've noticed this on dmm games which if you don't know uh dmm games is like a pc uh, service for for games that are very similar to mobile games. Uh, typically, there's like a uh, a DMM game that shows up with like a PC client on there. So uh, if you're the probably the most co- or most uh, popular, well known one is uh, uh, 
Dead or Alive Venus Vacations on there, which is like the mobile game Dead or Alive volleyball game. Uh, also, Chain Chronicles, if you're familiar with that series by Sega. I think that's only in Japan, though. Um, everything on DMM Games is in Japanese. But DMM Games also has like an R18 section. Um, and so I noticed recently when I was flipping through there that there's actually some mobile games and stuff in there that are that are adult-focused mobile games. And I don't really know. It's... I don't know why it makes me feel a little weird for some reason, like if, like <laughs> adult focused gotcha games, but it probably makes a lot of sense. I'd imagine people who are investing, uh, you know, time into those games probably are willing to invest the money into getting like different characters and stuff. Maybe that they think like are attractive and things like that. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see uh, another developer kind of push towards that route. Um, I, I wonder if it's a growing space in Japan. I guess maybe that's like the, the reason I bring it up here is like, I wonder if that's going to be a, a growing thing is mobile, like, you know, ongoing service-based mobile games that are, that have adult content in it. Um, I think it's, we're in a we really interesting and weird spot with, um, uh, adult games in general, because Steam just opened up, uh, you know, a while ago, the ability to, to put true 18 plus games on, on their service. Uh, you know, a while ago, basically if you wanted to buy like an adult game, uh, you'd buy like a censored version first, and then you go to like the, the company's website and then download a patch that uncensors it basically. Um, so I'm really curious to see, see where things go because for, for years and years, uh, that market, at least within a Western perspective, uh, was really locked off um, in terms of, of being access on an accessible platform. Uh, if you had an AO game, you couldn't get it on retail shelves typically. Um, and so it just with the reach of them was very limited. And so it's being able to have it like in a very, I mean, Steam is a very accessible place that is, is a big, on um, everyone's radar, basically, you know, it's a, it's like one of the, if not the most, still the most popular PC service for buying games, you know, there's definitely competitors out there now. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see if that's going to change how people feel about, um, erotic or pornographic video games as as a product that can be talked about i think it's very taboo right now um i think there are interesting things within that space to explore and i've always wanted to to look at it a bit more from a game perspective i, I really i really don't want to write about like like games and be like oh here's the top 10 hentai games look at how sexy and attractive these are because that's not like what i'm interested in, in talking about that stuff i want to look at them as like actual video games and and see what they contribute to to games as a whole i guess um if you go if you read my aquacube article that i put out a while ago i'll link it in here um i think what's most fascinating about that game is uh it uses uh the i guess because it's a it's it has these two uh brother and sister characters and there's like a very heavily implied incest stuff between them in terms of like how they feel about each other maybe not so much actual like you know physical contact or anything like that it's not a pornographic game on cube um but it is uh a game that i think is was true initially made with the desire of sexual stuff in the in the in the front end of it but that's not what matters for me at least um i think there's this really interesting mechanic in that game that really kind of you know displays how those two characters interact with each other in terms of like um the the brother has like these really like weird 
I guess he, he gets like excited, I guess, when he's around his sister. When that happens, it, it affects some of his abilities in the game and stuff in a way that's that is influential to the gameplay. And I think I think the idea of using sexuality as a gameplay mechanic, you know, even if it is a taboo thing or whatever, I, I think that's really an interesting place to explore that. I'm sure most most games in this category uh, do not try to explore that space, but I, I, I want to believe <laughs> there are smart games out there that, you know, do have adult content and use it in a smart way that isn't just like, hey, if you want to get your get yourself, you know, I don't know, get yourself off or something, you know. Uh, I think there's, there's interesting... Uh, games that could be out there or at least it has there's a potential to be interesting out there aqua cube really kind of turned me on to that um in terms of 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 kind of having that desire to want to want to pursue that uh and, and look into that stuff more so i don't know maybe someday it's it's a hard thing to talk about um but yeah anyways that's all i want to say <laughs> Um, about the Alice Soft thing, there's there's an interesting market out there for that, and I I would like I would like to take it more seriously and and actually find value out there that isn't just like oh here's this pornographic video game. I'm sure there are plenty of games out there that are just porn though. Um, I, I mean, I they absolutely most of them are. So yeah, I guess that's all I have for news. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about Alice Soft in particular, other than I just think it's interesting that that market is expanding. Um. Otherwise, though, uh, this week, I guess, speaking of 18 plus games, this 18 plus podcast this week, uh, I did start playing First Kiss Story, which I imported. Uh, If you don't know, First Kiss Story is like a uh, a visual novel for the PC FX um, that is uh, pretty much your straightforward uh, like harem uh, visual novel. Uh, basically schoolboy dating a bunch of schoolgirls and sometimes adult women because that's what they do. And uh, it, it's, I really didn't import it for the the visual novel aspect of it. I'm really just here because there's a fighting game in it. Actually, I've probably talked about this before. I, I definitely talked about it in my my PCFX Mist stream. But uh, this visual novel is like a fighting game with three characters from the Hunex uh, series of characters. I guess you call it not Hunex series, but Hunex is a, a game creator publisher uh from the 90s and early 2000s um and they basically put a fighting game in this visual novel where you can play as three different characters from uh hunix franchises one including i think one of the main girls from uh, first kiss story um one of the the main girl from this series called private idol i think it's called for i think it's the pc engine and then also the the one of the main girls from Blue Breaker. And I've heard it's actually a really good fighting game um, versus Blue Breaker Burst on the PlayStation 1 being not a very good fighting game. <laughs> um, um, so I'm really interested in exploring that. Uh, I thought it was going to be something that would be quick and easy to get to. But for what I'm reading online now, it actually sounds like you have to beat the entire game first before you can access uh, the fighting game part of it, which is kind of disappointing just because I have no idea how long this visual novel is. <laughs> uh, and it's all in Japanese, so I don't understand any of it. Um, I was enjoying playing it when I just had it on while I was listening to something else in the background. Uh, there's nothing really, um, you know, it's not like a scum of the brave or a team innocent where there's a lot visually going on. Uh, it's There's a lot of voice acting, that's for sure. But it's kind of hard to to enjoy if you're not like, you know, know any Japanese but sometimes there's some interesting things to look at like this girl that has a shirt that says like future x on it that I thought was neat um 
Uh, and you can kind of get a, a bit of a vibe of the story and how the characters are reacting to you and stuff like that. But it's it's just there are so many other you know harem visual novels out there that you can you can jump into that playing one that's exclusively in Japanese uh, is not something I would recommend doing <laughs> unless you're trying to play the fighting game in in First Kiss Story. But we'll look at that sometime in the future. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with it so far, but it is just very much a visual novel. Uh, I'll probably just try to, you know, continue to, you know, click through it for, you know, a handful of days. I'm not sure how long the game is. Apparently there's 12 dateable girls, so hopefully that means the, the story arcs will be short between them. Um, I could start doing skip text and maybe we'll do that or maybe I'll do that eventually uh, where you basically just scroll through the text as fast as possible without like taking anything in. But I, I am, even though I can't really understand what's happening right at the moment, I, I am enjoying kind of just, you know, feeling out the, the the vibe of the story, I guess. But it's definitely not, I have I really have no idea what's happening, you know, between character interactions and things like that in this game. This week, I also decided to pick up God Eater 2 and 3. Um, well, sorry, I picked up God Eater 2, and then I downloaded the demo for the God Eater th- for God Eater 3. Um, God Eater 2 I picked up because uh, the group I played God Eater 1 with was was finally looking at picking up, or f- finally looking at starting God Eater 2, which I'm not really sure how I feel about God Eater 2 yet. I mean, I haven't, we haven't actually played it yet. I basically made a character, and that was it. Um... But God Eater Two and God Eater Ra- or God Eater Two and God Eater Resurrection are very similar uh, because they're kind of made around the same time. Uh, I think God Eater Resurrection, which is a remake of the original God Eater, uh, actually in Japan came out after God Eater Two Rage Burst, which is a remake of God Eater Two. <laughs> um, and so they they started like melding a lot of like elements from God Eater Two into God Eater One Resurrection and stuff like that. Um, there are some unique, unique aspects to God Eater 2, but, but a lot of it looks like recycled assets and content from the original game. Um, so I'm really not sure how excited I am to play through it. I, I enjoyed the story with God Eater 1 a bit, but it wasn't like anything crazy. Um, but we'll, we'll put time into it and it being multiplayer definitely is going to help making it be more enjoyable. Um, I do want to play through it. But we'll see how I actually feel. Um, I'm worried I'm going to fall off of it because uh, Monster Hunter World I also fell off of because I was like, this is way too similar to Monster Hunter Try, even though Monster Hunter World is probably much more different than God Eater 1 to God Eater 2 is. Uh, as for the God Eater 3 demo, um, they did do some interesting improvements with God Eater 3. There, there are a handful of new mechanics, uh, particularly with like sharing your status with this, statuses with each other. If you don't know much about God Eater, um, it is a Monster Hunter style game, and basically what makes this game feel more unique is it has a lot of status management. So there's these things, these like abilities you equip to your uh, armor, and then you eat these bosses using different types of bites from your weapon. Um, and depending on what type of bite you do, uh, you get a uh, different uh, stat boost depending on what you assign uh, the stat boost to those bites to be. And in addition to that, you also get these like burst levels, which are levels that you get uh, boost yourself essentially that enhance your character's attacks and things like that um and so you you need to sit there and like burst uh not only 
yeah, you can only get like really get a level one burst by yourself. There's definitely exceptions of doing it otherwise, but but mostly you get bursts from your other party members. So you guys want to sit there and like try to share each share burst bullets with each other and get each other to level three so you can fight the boss and and then it becomes pretty standard from there. Um, it's pretty hack and slashy versus like a a, a monster hunter or something like that. Um, I always say that Shifts Games, uh, who who's the developer of uh, God Eater and also uh, Freedom Wars. They they always feel a little kind of low rent a bit. They they definitely are kind of the bottom of the scale when it comes to the Monster Hunter style games that I've played at least. I feel like Token in Two just feels and plays so much better. And Freedom Wars, as much as I love Freedom Wars, uh, it, it, there's a stiffness to both Freedom Wars and God Eater that I I I think that developer just can't shake at the moment. I'm a little worried that Code Vein's going to feel that way too, which is another game they're doing that's kind of more like a Dark Souls kind of uh, vibe. But but yeah, enjoyed what I I think I think maybe the most uh, interesting things about God Eater Three is uh, there's a uh, the the visuals are definitely greatly enhanced. The God Eater One and Two were both PSP games originally, and it shows on PS4. Even the PS4 remakes of those, you know, they they look pretty simplistic in their design and and the detail. God Eater Three is definitely a lot more blown out. It was a, you know made for the PlayStation Four specifically, rather than even even the Vita is not even included in this. Um, um, and then mainly, uh, there's just some, some additional mechanics that are stacked on top of the previous mechanics that I think make God Eater 3 feel somewhat interesting, but again, it, it does feel very God Eater-ish, even down to the stiffness in the combat. So I'm a bit worried that it won't do enough to, to change how I feel about that series. And I'm hoping that those things that I think that are interesting, God Eater 3, aren't just things pulled directly out of God Eater 2. Um, but I haven't played either of them really in depth enough to say for sure. I do want to spend a little bit more time with the God Eater 3 demo and the offline stuff. I think that I think you can't do online multiplayer in God Eater 2 uh, or God Eater 3. God Eater 3 dem- 3's demo uh, after the week this weekend. So as of Monday, you know, this will be posted and that demo will be over. Um, but I think you might be able to still do offline stuff. So I might try to poke around it a little bit more. Uh, but I probably won't play the actual full game anytime soon now that I have God Eater 2, unfortunately. Um, dang, it's already, already like 23 minutes. So, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and wrap up with saying, uh, I, I went ahead and, uh, streamed Domino Rally last week. We finished Ghost in the Shell, uh, standalone complex, but right after that I played through the entirety of Domino Rally. And if you haven't seen Domino Rally before, I really recommend, uh, if you don't watch my stream of it, you know, looking it up if you like stuff like Katamari Damacy. It has a very, uh, cute and charming, like, uh, I guess you'd say, you know, Japanese style. Feels like, uh, a lot like a feel, feel the magic or, or things in that vibe along with Katamari. And it has an amazing opening, or, uh, 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 soundtrack in it with a ton of vocals and things like that. I wish the game played a little better on the Wii. It's one of those games that feel like they feels like they had to force, um, you know, the Wii's controls. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Wii remote and nunchuck. And I'm a pretty big defender of a lot of games that do motion controls, uh, when they do them well and, or, or in interesting ways, even if they aren't well, well, or, you know, implemented, in a great way. Um, this game just feels like they just felt like they had to map something to the Wii remote, uh, waggle and, and the IR pointer. And they didn't think about how, 
how, you know, shaking the Wii remote would affect how you can point at the screen and things like that. And it just creates situations where where you, you, you can't be as precise as you want to be. So, but I love the style of it. I, I really can't recommend enough, uh, you know, looking up some gameplay for it at the very least. Uh, I would look at the, if you listen to any of the music, listen to the step music. The step one through seven music is freaking fantastic. Um, I, it's a ton of different composers. There's no real consistent style between it other than very good. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Anyways, so yeah, we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, the stream this week's going to be, um, what's that game called? The Quiet Man. Just going to play The Quiet Man. Probably not going to do a quick quick, quick play stream again. We're probably just going to just focus on finishing The Quiet Man. I think it's like a two-hour game. So hopefully we can get through it in one stream. And then the next week, hopefully we can get through it with the audio. Because if you don't know, Quiet Man, the first playthrough has no audio most of the time. Uh, the second playthrough, you can hear the voice acting and things like that. So, so yeah. Thanks for coming. And uh, I hope we have a good week. And yeah. Talk to you later. Bye.